Hello, welcome to DJ Force X in Conversation, uh, episode 91. Uh, it's been a few weeks in between, but I've had a little bit of break and um, a couple of interviews that I've uh, managed to conduct. Uh, one of them, which you're going to hear right now, which is Graham Oliver. Um, for those that, that aren't, don't recognize the name, uh, he was one of the founding members of the British heavy metal band Saxon. Um, no longer part of that band, but still playing their tunes out and about um we'll talk about that in the interview um but he's here to discuss um three uh new reissues uh of saxon's back catalogue uh sort of definitive albums we've got denim and leather um the power and the glory and the crusader uh each of those albums um i kind of grew up on here and there between maiden and guns and roses and priest and stuff like that and uh yeah it was an absolute pleasure to speak to him because you only you don't get to sort of talk to many people of your childhood, if that makes sense. I've only done it a couple of times, I think. And uh, this was one of them. It was like kind of like that moment of, oh, wow, yes. I When I went back and listened to these albums, it was like, I remember these songs. I remember, you know, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, I go on, I blather on about that in the interview as well. Um, but he was very courteous to spend a bit of time with me um, just talking about that and what he's doing now and and all that kind of good stuff. But um, those albums are available now on CD and vinyl. Uh, with the CD versions, you get a whole bunch of like live and demo tracks. Um, and the vinyl are all on uh, limited edition splatter vinyl. So they're all different colors. Um, they're limited to, I think, 500 pressings in the UK um, of the vinyl and the CD. I think it's just as many pressings as they have uh, on that front. But do check it out. There's some... Um, quality tracks on there that i'd forgotten about like previously um and you don't realize quite how many tracks you know you it's one of those things you'll hear me blather on anyway <laughs> you're hearing me blather on now um but i've just got um basically a quick plug for a couple of my other projects uh crossing the streams goes out on total rock every tuesday night 11 p.m uk time uh that is my mix show where i mix metal rock dance music all that kind of stuff together uh for a good hours long mix uh, you can also catch that on uh mixcloud after it's aired uh that's mixcloud.com forward slash dj force x uh and this show DJ Force X in conversation goes out every sunday at 6 p.m uk time on totalrock.com um that is more my sort of chat based show which is what this is based around but without the music um and uh yeah tune into that to hear some of the tracks from saxon uh also tune into that i've got a couple of interviews coming up one with goreflesh uh which are kind of more on the industrial side of things and a man called dave perry now uh that one if you remember games master um and things of that ilk back in the day um yes it's the same dave perry um and we're chatting about his new stuff uh uh, his new YouTube channel called um, Games Animal, um, and what he's been doing since the days of uh, Games Master, really, um, and how he sort of kept involved, and he's very much into the kind of alternative music scene as well, which you'll find that out in a couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, this one, this one is Graham Oliver of Saxon. Enjoy. Welcome to the show. 
first and foremost. Great to be on the show, Barnaby, with you. Thank you, thank you. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're here to talk uh, today about um, three um, reissues of Saxon, uh, classic Saxon albums, I should say. Um, we've got Denim and Leather. Uh, we've got Power and the Glory and Crusader. Um, yes. All being released as of, well as we're chatting right now coming out on friday um but when this goes out they'll be out already for people to go and grab um yeah well the last three went into the rock charts oh, the previous they? three. Oh, fantastic yeah all, all at the same time yeah which was a, a real um, thrill for us yeah yeah no and um no like i said before we started uh recording and stuff that i'm actually quite a long time fan i am um, i really love the album wheels of steel which i think was one of the previous ones you guys re-released um, that's right yeah i've got uh i don't think it's an original pressing but i've got an early pressing <laughs> amongst my collection yeah. here um yeah funny enough I, I went into a shop yesterday in my hometown and a young lad who was about 16 produced an original copy that he found at a car boat and asked me to sign it so the, the original vinyl still out there and, yeah. and young guys that age is still liking it which is amazing there is there's been a resurgence of 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 um a love for vinyl i mean i've always been myself a lover of that i'm a dj by kind of uh well most of my life i've been a dj and i, I grew up with vinyl around me um and then obviously yeah. progressed to cds and then it went digital and you know and yeah. it, it's sort of it's it's going back again everything that goes around comes around um <laughs> on yeah. that front well i can remember going on the bus to doncaster as a young a young lad about 16 and buying Jimi Hendrix live at the Isle of Wight and coming home clutching it in a bag looking at every little word on it you know yeah and I think vinyl albums were a possession something to have you know where the other things that became a convenience you know yeah no definitely I, I feel that, that vinyl is um is art in itself um the the way yeah. that it's presented to you i mean i love cds as well cds were great but again it was it was more a convenience thing mp3s there they are flat out convenience to be perfectly honest with you you That's can have right, your, yeah. your entire music collection in your pocket um but you do lack that kind of like physical ownership i feel like um like looking i've got the the three albums in front of me right now actually the one you guys are just about to re-release and just looking at the artwork alone in that size format with the cd it's kind of smaller you know it, it, you still yes, get the detail in there, you, can, you can look around these these like these pictures and and catch things that you hadn't seen before and yeah you know i'm um, just having that little bit more on there i mean i've got the crusader album like in my hand right now and that's yeah i mean that, that's a double gatefold yeah that is yes yes and the i'll say the artwork on this one is 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 brilliant it's like well it's just like that kind of classic kind of uh, yeah. oil painting if you will of uh, a war scene um uh but it's yeah it, it you know you just catch those little things and the little nuances the artist might have put in there that you don't quite get with, That's right, yeah. with the kind of um thing. And i'm so glad it's coming back around um and you guys obviously releasing this on uh on on limited edition uh what they call it splatter vinyl as well splatter so, vinyl on bmg label yeah 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 so they've got nice little like colors to them and stuff like that was the uh power and the glory ones like a blue and a blue and a red or blue and a purple i think it is i'm trying to look at it right yeah. now it's like a blue and a purple color um yeah <laughs> 
Uh, you got and then the CDs have got all the added bonus tracks that yes. we can talk about later. Yeah, no, definitely. That was I was going to go on to those because obviously you've packed these things with, or they've packed them things with, with various bits of memorabilia. Um, you've got things like obviously some, I think, is it um, unreleased uh, demos and remixes for the CDs, like you just said. Um, yeah. And there's some photos and memorabilia as well that are kind of new to these albums around that. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so um, so what? Um, <clears throat> obviously, having these things re-released, obviously, it brings back a lot of of that time. Of, I would have thought for you, um, being a yeah. sort of Saxon's height, if you will. Um, well, myself and Steve Dawson, uh, Barnaby, actually yeah. went to Abbey Road in, uh, and spent a day there going through a lot of the archive material oh. <laughs> for, the, for some of these releases. Yeah. And the, um, the Cayley tapes, what you can see on the back of it, and the Donington, um, there were tapes that belonged to myself and Steve Dawson. The Cayley tapes were, were outtakes for Crusader. And we'd done them in pre-production at Jive Bunny Studio, in fact, in Parkgate at Rotherham. Uh-oh. And then um, the Donington tape, I had a reel of it, and it was that old, it had to be paid <laughs> um, before they could re- re- um, transfer it digitally onto um, another format. Yeah. And Steve's tapes were inch tapes, so we'd never, they'd not been played since the day we did them back before we went to Los Angeles, the Sound City Studios. Yeah. We did all the pre-production and the demos in Rotherham. In fact, Kevin Beamish flew over and oversaw it. And then the, Steve took the one-inch tape, some of the songs, and we obviously had cassettes of them. Um, and then, But they've not been played since, and, and they're included on the CDs, which is great. And we had a fantastic day there, just me and Steve, and um, I think the others were invited, but they were busy, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, that's. I mean, that that's amazing. I mean, having having like archive stuff like that. Yeah. You know, especially for the well, fan base. Steve, we, 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 we were the kind of keepers of the archive on the on the previous releases and all all the memorabilia that's been uh, used is ninety percent from myself because I, I collected it and had it all digitised about ten years ago. Okay. All the kerangs and the sounds and. And that's where the and I, I turned them all. I turned everything over to BMG so they could do the best job that they possibly could for the fans. Yeah, because these are, these are definitely packed for the fans. It's like I say, if you're yeah. if, if you have things like like the archives that you have, the the demo recordings, the the session recordings from back then that have never really seen the light of day. I mean that that's for the time that these albums came out. Um, like I said, it was the kind of height of your of, of of Saxon at that point. Obviously, they've maintained a certain level going forward. But these albums, I mean, especially yeah. for me, these kind of like these three albums, I remember um, from from yeah. being in my sort of childhood um, around that era. I mean, I was I was like I was sort of only just out of nappies, I guess when. I think when Denim and Leather came out, <laughs> but, um, yeah. but uh, you know, I was kind of, I, I grew up on like rock music. So it was, it was you guys, it was yeah. Maiden, it was Priest, uh, it was Guns and Roses. It was, you know, that, that, that kind of era of time, that eighties, nineties kind of, um, heavy metal, uh, movement. Well, the eighties were a great time. I remember doing the bomber tour with Motorhead mm. and previous to that, we'd done a couple of gigs supporting the clash. It was like a crossover period. Yeah. And, I remember playing at the marquee and um, Pete Gill whacked his cymbal that hard and he knocked it, it over and it 
fell onto my hand and cut it and got blood all over my SG. <laughs> I, I can still remember this guy up front shouting, this is great, it's just like punk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, some people say we had the, the energy of the punk bands, but better musicianship and better songs. Yeah. I suppose it's a matter of taste, really. I think punk, for, for a, a big part of it, was more of a fashion. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, with the, with this style of music, what I kind of fell in love with was the kind of um, <clears throat> the storytelling aspect of it and, and um, the sort of um, the pictures in my mind that it kind of it, it drew out for me, not just from the lyrical side of things, but from the yeah. musical side of things. Um, I think that's why um, the songs like Dallas 1PM, I mean, I remember writing that, for example... I mean, Pete Gill used to... We went into the rehearsal studios to write the album and Pete Gill used to both be up early and start working out on his drums, playing rhythms and patterns. And this one day, I'd had breakfast and Pete were banging away on the drums, so I went into the rehearsal studio, which were adjacent to the uh, farmhouse where we stayed, mm-hmm. and Pete, Pete were laying down the beat, which became the beat for Dallas. And I picked the guitar up and I just wrote the riff for Dallas. I would never have done it without Pete Gill's beat. Yeah. And likewise, Nigel Glockler were doing the same for Power and the Glory. We were playing the rapid snare rolls, and I, I wrote the riff for Power and the Glory right there and then. And so, you know, it were a collective, especially the first original five members. We were all five of us doing bits and yeah. writing bits. So, you know, we were all sat round... Somebody might have one little idea, but that little idea made the other, made the whole thing great, and that's how we worked. And and then when when lineup changes happen, you know we had gold and silver disc, and, and you only have to look at the statistics that it slipped after that. You know yeah. after Pete Gill and Steve Dawson. I mean, don't take my word for it. Just look at the statistics. Yeah, uh, the I mean, I, I know, I think... the gold disc and the silver disc stopped. You know. Yeah. Yeah, no, I did notice that. I looked at because I obviously did a little bit more research because I knew the music, I knew the albums, but I didn't know the uh, history or the sales and things like that. And it does. Yeah. I think Crusader was one of your best. Is it still his best selling album, isn't it? Out of all of them. Yeah. Um, it it to is worldwide, but we didn't get a disc for it. Um, it's, it was a, a strange one that because crew, we got accused of doing a, a lighter album for America, but yet America wouldn't play it on their radio. They said it was too British heavy metal. <laughs> so it was kind of a, you know, one of those funny yeah. things, and you think, well, what what is always right, you know? Yeah, no, it's it's, it's certainly. I, I used to live in the states up until recently, so um, it's still kind of it has that kind of. <sighs> Like any of the British bands that I heard on the radio had an American sound to them still, which was, yeah. didn't have that kind of like British rock sound to them. It was all very hyper produced and you know um, didn't sound British, if that makes sense. Yeah, no. I think in hindsight we could have done a, a decent job in Sound City without Kevin Beamish. I think he smoothed it over a little bit because he was he used to doing REO Speedwagon yeah. but at this point EMI were picking producers for us and to be honest I know how, how I wanted to sound I don't need somebody to you know and the band knew the band was fully capable of sounding like they wanted to sound that's why the the, the Crusader from the Cayley sessions sounds a lot more hard edged than the one that was on that made you know on the final album yeah so it's it's good that you can get a chance to listen to them both. Yeah, no, that's I'm I'm gonna have to uh, 
track that down actually probably when it comes out yeah. i would like to hear those those demos um because like i said i got i got sent the vinyl uh which i absolutely yeah. love and 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 thank you guys and your press office yeah well they are on the cd versions man if people yeah. want to check them out no no definitely I, I would i would highly recommend checking these out if no one if like anyone who's listening hasn't listened to saxon or have had a few things it's worth picking up at least one of these albums and just playing it if you're into heavy metal it's it is a uh it is a must I feel, from my perspective, yeah. <laughs> when, as far as the history of heavy metal concerned, you know, your guys' well, name you know, is always uh, mentioned. So, more, um, Metallica told me Lars Ulrich said that the photo on the back of the wheels of steel. Yeah, that's just us sat on a bench in the Marquee Club in London. Is the is the heaviest photo we've ever seen, and they keep a copy of it on their rehearsal room wall for inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they were looking to Barnsley for inspiration. We were looking to California. Yeah, no, that's that's the odd thing, isn't it? It's like like when you were saying earlier, Mm. you were like doing all your pre-production Rotherham to go over to Los Angeles to actually record (laughs) the album, and and it's quite a jump. You know, I mean, I've I've been to Rotherham before, and uh, (laughs) and uh, yeah, no, it's quite a. um, I mean. Having that perspective on it, having that kind of like you know, and and, and Lars Yurik saying that you guys are an inspiration to them. How, how mm. does that feel to be such a like a a, a a pillar of of the heavy metal genre? Well, I mean, even somebody just put, posted it on my Facebook where Lemmy interviewed and Lemmy said that I was the musician in the band, which is which is so complimentary coming from Lemmy and yeah. for that compliments I mean myself and Steve Dawson were on tour in America with the others and before doing interviews so we were busy and we got dumped with a big bag full of cassettes and they said right lads you're playing at the Whiskey A Go Go four nights sold out local radio is running a, a competition to give a local band a chance to support yeah. you and so you had to listen to all these tapes and pick one, and we went to all these tapes, and we, we couldn't decide between, we had two bands, so what, what, what we did is we gave one band two nights, <coughs> and the other band two nights. Yeah. One band was Rat, and the other band was Metallica. Oh. And it was their second ever show, and they've always remembered that. And every time in England, they always invite myself and Steve Dawson, we get VIP'd. You know, anywhere yeah. I want to go. In fact, we could go anywhere in the world, I suppose, if, if we asked them. Yeah. But they're always <laughs> grateful that we did that. Having said that, last time they played, I said, Lad, can me and Steve have a gig back supporting you next time you do Sheffield? And he went, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> So even, you know, it'd be great if they honoured that and they would keep us, me and Steve a gig back. Even if it were only 20 minutes opening up at Sheffield, it'd be, it'd be a nice gesture, you know. Yeah. Yeah, because I was going to say you and um, you and Steve are still playing um, as um... yeah, me and Steve are still. In fact, both bands are only playing on because of the foundations that the original band laid in in the eighties with those albums. It's been re-released, to be honest. Yeah, um, and we 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 realise that and appreciate that. And um, myself and Steve, we get well. We, next week we're in Sweden playing. Last week we're in Rome and Belgium. You know. So we, we're flying the flag, and um, people are very complimentary, saying that we sound like the albums, but it's like my, myself and Steve point out, we're both players with... We're not Ingrid Malsteam and, you know, and Steve Vai. We, we are players with limited technique that wrote those songs and perform them like we wrote them. So 
it's like Giza, Buster and Tony Iommi. Yeah. They're pretty much the same kind of players. When they play together, you know it is. And I think it's the same for myself and Steve. We play the songs from the heart. And they will sound the same because we're not capable of sounding like, for example, a German heavy metal band. We couldn't do it, you know. Yeah. So, um, and, and, and my son plays drums and he was brought up with Pete Gill and then he went Nigel Glock was roadie for uh, five years. So he's like... A, he can switch between the both. He's got both styles in his head. And so when we do Power on the Glory, for example, yeah. it sounds like Power on the Glory should. And when we do The Hungry Years or Frozen Rainbow, which is in the set, it sounds like it should sound, you know, not, not with Pete Gill drumming. Yeah. If you can get my meaning, you yeah. know. So. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. It's uh, it's good mm. to have that because you can, you can, there has been like, you know, when bands play, you know, you yeah. have like a band like yourself, uh, with a couple of original members from said band that you're playing songs from and sometimes they don't sound the same you know you get that kind of and you think oh it might be a live thing but if you've got the musicians that kind of have that yeah. way of playing um, or you know especially mm-hmm. with a the drummer there's certain swings that certain drummers like that have that you know that that's you know that is you know Ringo Starr that is you know yeah. that is Dave Grohl whatever whoever you want to hear I think it's in, I, I think that's important that the, I mean it's not a conscious thing we do it's just how it, how it is it's yeah. just how we play you know I mean it's like the solo in Dallas people like it when I play because it's they say it's part of the tune it's part of the melody it's not just a whistle solo which, mm. which some say that others do it like that you know when it's covered but it's it's integral part of the song that it starts like it does, and it's always well, like Crazy Train when Brad Gillis or um, other guitar play, or play Crazy Train. They play Randy Rhodes solo or yeah. the or the main themes of it because it's important to to the song. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's when we play Crusader, Gavin. He does. He adheres to key points in Paul Quinn's solo, you know, and and, and so when when I play Dallas one pm, I play it from the heart, yeah. <laughs> like it was recorded. Excellent, excellent. No, yeah. I'd like to catch you guys live. I did have a look on your website earlier to see if you're coming down this way. I'm down sort of Surrey, Hampshire way. So um, yeah, we never get down there much. We're in uh, Hatfield near London on the, yeah on Prey Mantis's turf. They're usually play at that gig you know but it was a big gig um, I'm quite surprised how large the room was and the people in it were just fantastic excellent excellent they got all the albums and there, some of the, there were some young fans and some fans from old sinners way back in the 80s some yeah. older ones yeah mm. no I definitely love to come see you guys because I was um, I was actually in a band for a little bit and we played um with the I think the guess the current lineup of Saxon um they uh, hard rock hell a big festival that they do at like a all right yeah Butlins. it was about oh, probably almost 10 years ago now actually to be fair yes and i remember that in the one where nigel got assaulted yes that was the one it wasn't by my band i thankfully. remember it <laughs> it was um but yeah no my band played that show um and it was actually really nice actually because i hadn't seen saxon for oh it was a long time um and and it was good to kind of see that but obviously you know i'd like to see you guys play because part of the original yeah. lineup and you still play those songs and you know yeah. um, i'm gonna have to see if i can actually travel up north then and come see you guys 
unless you hit down here. Well, that should be fine. Uh, you know, yeah. just let us know, and you will make you welcome at any show. Excellent. No, be in really fact, cool. we're doing we're doing a gig in Rotherham, um, a special one uh, called "It's to Celebrate the Donington Festival." This guy had an idea, put it together, and obviously. There's only me and Steve on the bill who actually played at Donington, but he's put <laughs> together like the Scorpion with different spelling, you know. Yeah. So there's going to be bands there playing music that was played on the day, like Rainbow Rising or so whatever. Nice. And so you're going to get a feel of the of the music that was played on the day, plus the fact that me and Steve, that's on July the 7th. Okay. I yeah. I have to see if I'm around for that, because that's... Uh... That sounds yeah. really good. It sounds like my kind of thing. So, <laughs> cool. It would so, be, um, it would be nice to see you. Yeah, no, it'd be really cool. I mean, like, like I said, these albums I grew up on, and and it like, it's 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 one of those things where I get to speak to one of the musicians on there. <laughs> it's I'm like kind of was, yeah. I was I was a little bit nervous to start with, you know, because it's like I'm speaking to uh, Graham Oliver, you know, and it, it's like of a, a you know, it's just one of those things where if I was to meet, say you know slash or something like that as well that i'd have that kind of same effect on me because guitarists I, yeah well you know, i got I to play guitar. i mean I've, I've known Ollie john ross a long time and i've got to play with him and a few times now and he phoned me the other day from a festival nice and um i get the same feeling with Ollie, even though i've played with him because he's such a maestro you know so yeah. i'm still a fan of, i'm still a guitar fan and i do like to see guitar players and bands and um, just, you know you, you're learning all the time and I, I still am you know yeah yeah no it's good to sort of stay in that mindset of learning because you know if you feel that you can't learn anything else that's where it kind of finishes for you so that's right um, and it's always good to have you know people that always kind of push the envelope like for me and DJing and stuff I was into the kind of more technical side mm. of it so like manipulating the, the record yeah. itself and you know just playing around with it and there are people these days yeah. that are still doing that and and just pushing yeah. that boundary and it's 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 one of those things where you're just like awesome I can still learn stuff there's still stuff out there that yeah, I haven't right. figured out but someone else has so um, yeah I mean you can always check some of our tracks I know it's, we're talking about the re-release albums but yeah. we did a live album a couple of years ago called Blood and Thunder and some of those tracks are on there you know but the new ones like Whipping Boy is 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 like could have been on wheels of steel you know it's it's yeah. that kind of tune and so people if you check that out it's got a wicked solo in it you know yeah no i was gonna say i mean if you if you you've, you obviously say you released a live album um as as you and dawson um as we have yeah and a studio album we'd and like to do more we've got loads of songs that, and, and ideas and we, we we do write the same we used to write but yeah. obviously having no no record company is difficult there's plenty of people who put it out if we make the record and yeah. we've done that the last couple of times you know but it's a drain on me and Steve you know and it'd be nice to get a bit of support but we are work we've got a working title of an album called Defiance yeah so you know what, and we've got a couple of tunes one of them is is um, Battle of Orgreave which is all about the Niners battle you know a bit typical song like Dallas or whatever yeah you know about a story or 747 you know about a real real events yeah so maybe one day we'll get that out but we at the moment we're supporting these albums and playing a lot of tunes off them yeah that's why we've reintroduced The Hungry Years and Frozen Rainbow me and Steve have not done them for 30 years you know yeah 
No, that's awesome. I mean, it's good that you're still writing as well, because if you've got something, you know, and I hope someone out there can help you guys out with that, because that would be nice to hear um, on that front. Now, just sort of obviously, like you said. Yeah, I mean, we are getting get offers from record companies. If you give us an album, we'll put it out. You yeah. know, but we need to come up with it. We have got the tools, but we need to get it recorded. And, and obviously, there's a cost in that. There is, yeah. There's still the uh, mm-hmm. the underlying cost in most music is getting that that the production side of it. Um, and the thing is, nobody's buying CDs hardly anymore, no. No, it's I true. mean, there's some things that do well, but that's why bands are doing it all live, because sales and so and yeah. all these downloads, it's so Spotify and all that, yeah. or whatever they are. So the, the royalty rate is so small that it's it is. pretty insignificant. So nobody's recouping the, uh, you know, the, uh, the cost of the CDs or the cost of recording is very hard to recoup yeah. in today's market yeah definitely definitely yeah I've seen it change obviously you've probably seen it change more dramatically than I because being part of you know a, a boom period in, in record yeah. sales and then sort of watching how the industry changed and how a lot of yeah. um, a lot of labels didn't change with it they didn't That's think it well 747 the single actually did quarter of a million copies Oh. And it got to number what eleven or whatever, and top of the pops were on strike for that uh, for that week, and they were tipping if we'd have done top of the pops, you know, that you could calculate sales yeah. roughly from a, an appearance on that, it would have gone top five, even possibly number two, <laughs> and that was just our luck. But if we did quarter of a million seven four seven, now it'd be in charts for probably. Oh, best part of a year. Yeah, you'd be there permanently for a long time. You'd be at number one for so. a lot of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, just judging on what, what sales get you into the chart these days, it's uh, it's kind of, um, well, it's, it's significantly different from back 15, 20 years yeah. ago. You know, um, you only have to get a few thousand sales to even just get into the top sort of 40, you know, um, and then anything over that, you just yeah. climb in the chart, you know, and it's it's very rare that, you know, I look at like album charts and things, and a lot of them, it's like greatest hits albums of particular artists that they just sort of stay in those charts for the longest time. Um, that's right. And yeah. te- that's telling. That should be telling people something. But you know, <laughs> there is something wrong with the way the system's working right now. <laughs> but yeah. um, you know, it's one of those things where hopefully that I mean, there's a few labels now that are kind of they get how it's going now and they have actually made it work for them uh, where it comes to yeah. the sort of streaming services and using the Facebook, Twitter, everything like that that, that, that to promote this music and get those, get that re- revenue back, you know, using that because if they feature... Oh, we need on, it to keep new artists to get, you know, new bands coming through and, in, and invest in the uh, industry, Yeah, to be honest. You yeah. know, I mean, it's... it's so, I mean... People like Ed Sheeran are doing so well, but on the other scale, it's like Manchester United yeah. and a little football town with no money, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it really, it, we, we, we really need to look after some of the, the young English ones as well, because, you know, sometimes these, you see Jules Holland and all these American bands, or, yeah. or in, uh, which is good and that, but get a couple of the young English bands on as well. You yeah. know, let's support young, get our talented, you know, yeah. And there, there are some That's bands right. out there right now that that could do with that. It's um, there's some, there's some like there's a good crop of bands sort of doing the UK sort of like small circuits right now. That that yeah, well, a know. little band, a band from next town to me. I used to 
jam with him and see him at, j- at the open mic night, the Sherlock's. Mm. They ended up doing a world tour, well, a European tour with uh, Liam Gallagher. Oh, wow. And, and they could do something, you know, but yeah. that's what we need. You know, it's not rock music, what they do, it's their own music. But yeah. it could be defined as rocky, I suppose, you know, but this is what we need, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm. Um, so, um, just uh, sort of, I've got a couple of questions left for you now, um, and then I'll, I'll let you get on with the rest of your day because <laughs> we're doing this Thank one you. early today. So, um, um, so this question I ask um, basically, my, my, well, all the musicians that I speak to on this show, um, and it's it's to name your um, three top albums that have kind of defined your the person that you are, or the career that you've had. Like, what what are the three albums you could pinpoint of saying? You know, those were the biggest sort of influences on me. Um, that's that's an interesting question. I mean, one of them's got to be um, Electric Ladyland, Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. You know, um, that were a massive influence. And then I heard UFO's Obsession. It was the first album that I played back to back and turned it over and turned it over and turned it over continuously for about two hours yes. just playing it yeah and it, it blew me away you know and um the third one crikey <laughs> yeah it, that's a it's, a it's a good question really because there's that many you know yeah yeah i think uh I think No Sleep to Lammersmith was a pretty, you know, in different periods of my career, because being young, uh, it was Jimi Hendrix. Then when I got a bit older, um, and I, I was getting into guitar and playing in 77, whatever it were. Yeah. And, but just doing pubs, it was hearing Michael Schenker's guitar. So it's all guitar oriented. Yeah, no, that's good. But then I realised that when Maud said No Sleep, when, I, when we toured with him, it made me realise you didn't have to be, you know, like a shredder or the world's greatest guitarist to be in a great rock band. Yeah. Um, as, as competent as Eddie were, he was no Eddie Van Halen, you know, he was, he was fast Eddie. Yeah. And it, it, the chemistry worked. And I always say to young kids, um, if you if, if you watch some of these festivals, you know, it's good bands with good guitar playing. And that they made good records. Yeah, it wasn't just great guitar playing doesn't sell records. It just it, it's a, it, it's great that it's on there. But the, the Motorhead one was such a tight thing and such. And I was part of. I felt part of it. That's why it was influential. And my nice. photograph was on it, and it was it was marvelous to get No Sleep to Lammersmith and have my photo on it. So, and that's when I realised, crikey, you know. I've, Although we'd, we'd done Top of the Pops, to be on Lemmy's album and Motorhead's yeah. album, but it, it put my picture on it. It was like, you know, <laughs> it was just a marvellous feeling. Yeah. You know, it's hard to, to articulate, you know, to be yeah. honest. But yeah, that's, that's I'm, I'm just a fan of all guitar music. I mean, just to digress, originally it was Bob Dylan, when I heard like yeah. a Rolling Stone, that flicked the switch and I wanted to play music. Then I heard Stevie Winwood play Stevie's Blues, a flip side to Give Me Some Loving, I think it was. And that that were iconic. Then I heard Are You Experienced? Yeah. 
yeah. which was above my head. I, I was only 14 when it came out, and I couldn't really grasp the metal of how it was done, you know. Yeah. I mean, fire sounded like what James Brown would do, you know. Yeah. And then Electric Ladyland was such... The production and everything, you know, Watchtower, it still sounds fresh today to me. So it's, it's all guitar-orientated playing that... Uh, yeah, that, yeah, if that if that's uh, no, that's cool. That's best I can do, no, Barnaby. Anyway, because there's is. just millions of albums that I'd love for different. You know, I'm yeah. into John Mayer. One day I listen to John Mayer. One day I might listen to Albert King. The last CD I bought was Eric Gales. You know, yeah, no, the I, left-handed player from America yeah. was just mind-bogglingly brilliant. Yeah, no, I just narrowed it down to three because I know a lot of a lot of like yourselves can point out. I mean, myself as well. If I had to narrow it to three, I'd I'd, I'd struggle. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, you could definitely sort of see like a lot of the, you know, like you say, it's all good guitar orientated, and 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 when you say, you know, you can be just a guitar player, you don't have to have that overabundance of technical skill because that's that that doesn't that's not what's going to sell the record because it's. The whole I mean, unit. if that sold records, bound to be Ingvar Malmsteen and sell millions. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You'd have a lot of like guitar aficionados and whatever they call them, um, uh, just sort of those those kind of like technical players everywhere. But you don't because you know it doesn't always. You know, occasional yeah. albums. Yes, they can. Well, do I, I had an accident like Tony Iommi where I lost part of a finger on my left hand on my, my second hand. Oh, okay, and. Uh, I got help from Tony Iommi and Richie Blackmore, actually, and Bernie Marsden were a big help. Um, so I have to make one note count for ten. Yeah. So that's been my criteria for doing solos, to try and connect with people. And when I play live, I try and do the same, you know, yeah. because I am a, a, an handicapped player, for, for want of a better word. So, And so is Tony Iommi, but, you know, he doesn't whittle at 100 miles an hour. He just plays solid riffs and yeah. great lead lines and I think that's that says it all really if you can yeah. do that and connect with the audience yeah um, I think you've and, and the songs people like it, then it's you, you've done your job you yeah. know and, and for these albums to come out 38 years later or whatever yes. it is the, from the first one yeah and they're, they're still appreciated and then and you, you do know you have done your job yeah and they've been given a new life, which is totally amazing for us. Yeah, no, that's exactly so. what I was about to say to you, actually. <laughs> you know, in, in looking looking back at these albums and stuff, and, and, and it is, I mean, it, it's 30, where are we now? Yeah, about almost 38, 35, 36, 37, however many years it is. Um, yeah. And these the, the still sound like, you know, the the... the the composing part of it, the music, it, it still sounds solid, and it sounds, it's got that, that feeling to it like you are a cohesive yeah. unit you are a you know it, it, there's nothing that's uh, we were we were five guys all as one with one yeah. with one goal in mind and it's a shame where things padded out because it, it needn't have been like that to yeah. be honest yeah and um, we did some great work and we, we were all like brothers all in one room there were no egos there were nothing it was it like a collective all just working each song everybody had input on it everyone you know yeah. sometimes little sometimes big it depended on the song I mean for example like Ride Like The Wind was just Paul Quinn he, 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 he I know it was a cover but 
that's what his skill was. Yeah. Arranging, he put the whole thing together and orchestrated all the guitar parts, everything, and the vocals. He did the whole thing, Quinny. And so people were good at different things, you yeah. know. I mean, my my thing were easy, but were riffs, you know, Power and the Glory riffs mine, Denim and Leather riffs mine, uh, Never Surrender riffs mine, yeah. I, uh, Midas Touch riffs mine, um, all the powerful, simple ones. And, but I only took the riff to the band, it was the band that made the song great. I mean, for example, Power and the Glory, the verse. I mean, we were struggling for a verse, and that mm. morning I'd heard Emotional Rescue from Rolling Stones, and all I did is I... I used their chord progression and just slowed it down. Yeah. Theirs were slowed down, I sped mine up, yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Wheels of Steel's my riff, you know. Nice. No, yeah. it's, it's like a, it's like a, yeah, it's like a team effort. You know, it's it's like a football team. It was team. a team effort. Yeah, you know, you've got players who can defend but can't strike the ball. You've got players that can, yeah. you know, pass the ball around, and then you've got players who can score goals. And it's just sort of, you know, it, 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 only a team that works together, you know, can can create something as special as these you know those sort of teams That's they go right. on and win things and you know as a team as a songwriting team if you will uh, you've created I mean I mean you've had how many albums have Saxon got now it's um, it's quite a few <laughs> I don't know how many are out there right now but um, obviously you were sort of part of probably almost about probably how many was about 10 of them you're part of I think there's 9, nine? with the BMG's yeah, they're uh, going to be releasing. Yeah. Okay, so they're going to release the next three. But as like well. we said, the gold, the, the gold discs were on all the early albums when we were working as a team, and as soon as you start, as soon as Pete went and then Steve went, mm. it just, it just, it, it, the gold disc stopped. So it, it's we had a good formula, and uh, it's be interesting to see if we could ever, you know, do something again. But I, yeah. I get asked that question more times. Um, you've not asked it today, but no, I haven't. <laughs> nearly every time I get asked. Yeah. Um, only thing I can say is, who knows, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, it, a lot of bands have, have, have kind of managed to put aside any differences. Like, I mean, for the sort of crowning glory one at the moment is Guns N' Roses, you know, where, where they've managed to get slash back with Axel, and, and obviously Duff was kind of already in and out of Guns N' Roses anyway. Um, yeah. But that that's the kind of I think people a lot of people are looking to that now saying, Well if they can do it mm-hmm. then you know, I know Faith No More. Well it's did interesting it and, how big Iron Maiden went after Bruce Dickinson rejoined, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, that's very true. Because yeah. uh, yeah. I went to Sheffield City Hall when the when the other thing was doing it blaze and it you were half full, you know. Yeah, no, I, and, I caught them when I think just as Bruce came back in at the um what was that place in London called? Huge! It was a huge like venue that they used to have like oh god, I can't what it's called. But they did. It was like in I think it was like in two thousand, and Bruce had just rejoined. Yeah. and They did Brave New World, and that place was yeah. absolutely packed to packed to the walls, basically. Yeah. Um, and I mean, even status quo when they rejoined for that, uh, they sold out in twenty minutes. Yeah. Such is the interest in the original lineups. Yeah. For all the fact, you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, see, I mean, seeing how see how well these reissues do, you know, that they could be, you know, like you say, you don't you don't know. Um, and I wasn't going to ask that question, so <laughs> it was because <laughs> mm. I figured you would have been asked a few times already, uh, especially if like uh, so they re-released the the previous yeah, three well, albums. Well, Rick says never in this universe, but you know, yeah. So it's probably unlikely, but because I mean, when we were together, there were five members in a band. It weren't. 
a leader and a backing band. Yeah. I'm not saying that's what they are, but uh, I think it's run like that. And so yeah. I think if you've got something, you, if you're if you're Ozzy Osbourne, you're not going to have a band again, are you? You know, you're going to no. be a leader. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you get a taste for it and you know you can drive it, then... Because that's, that's what does happen to some bands, like as they lose members, especially original members. It's very difficult for someone to, one, come in, obviously they're just going to be there to play, but to sort of take any kind of control over an original member. Um, it's very rare that that happens, if it happens at all. So I guess that's how it's gone with, you know, like you say, you're not sure how that is, but, you know. And it's a good name for a tour, though. That's what it did with uh, Guns N' Roses. It did the Not In This Lifetime tour. So you've got the Not In This Universe tour. <laughs> that should be brilliant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. The, way, the the people that put on the Mock the Hoople show, yeah. uh, I must be told in some years ago, that, that a few months after asked if, if we were available, would we consider doing one where it was filmed and recorded just a, a couple of one-off shows at Hammersmith Odeon. Yeah. And at the time, before I'd even had a chance to even think about it, it was pool pulled, you know. So uh, at least the offers were there. You know, it would yeah. be interesting to see um, if, the, if the chemistry was still there, I suppose, from, from our point of view. Yeah. But as we're getting older, the hell's not getting any better, I, I can tell you that. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, well, you know, I hope it happens. If not, I mean, you, you're still yeah. going with with um, with Steve. Um, yeah, me and Steve are just doing what we want to do. You know, we enjoy yeah. doing it. Like th- this year, we're in, we're in Germany, Sweden, Belgium, France, doing these festivals, and yeah. we're doing one this weekend in Derbyshire, Winsterfest, which is, and then on Saturday, Sunday, we're doing an outdoors. Uh, Actually, in my hometown, as a favour, there's a youth club there where me and Steve first started as kids. Yeah. And they used to let us rehearse in a little room upstairs. And the youth club is really struggling. It's been taken over by Mexico Partnership. Okay. And the vast, they've, they've put a festival, it's a proper festival, proper stage, like, you know, on the football ground. Yeah. And um, it's supporting local bands and trying to bring attention to the need for not only in Mexico Youth Club, somewhere for kids where they can go and learn instruments because yeah. they've got recording equipment there so where they can actually go and make music oh, wow. but they just need funding for it. Yeah. So, cool. Well, good luck with that. Yeah. Um, All right, Brian, again, yeah. Graham, thank you so much for your time. Um, yeah, and, it's been um, a pleasure. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure's all on this side, man. Thank you. It's um, it's it is uh, an absolute, like I say, pleasure to chat to you. And um, yeah, get your sort of lowdown on these albums and stuff as well, which is great. Um, but yeah, like I said, good luck with the reissues. And uh, are, they, are you saying they're doing the next three as well? Yeah, there's got little the um, destiny and rock the nation, isn't there? Yes. Yeah. So they're doing the next so the next couple. Um, as well, it's, um, is that going to be soon, or is that are they waiting for the next like um, quarter? Or I think I think it will be the next quarter. Okay, cool. Well, I'm, look I'm out well, for exactly. I've not got. A, I, I did have a schedule, but yeah. I can't remember it because I know that there were a couple of singles, and then there's there's plans for like maybe a couple more complete, like Decade of the Eagles, yeah. that double album that came out. That was the prelude to all this happening, you know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. 
So we'll see what they do. I mean, they've got the they've got the rights to it now. So over the next few years, I'm sure they'll be releasing. I mean, there's probably more bonus tracks because the me and Steve oversaw a lot. There were even a, uh, an outtake a big singing mule train. I could tell. Oh, nice. yeah. So maybe that will show up on one of them one day. But yeah, I'm sure there will be some more things out soon and cool. more uh, bonus tracks. No. Well, all right. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you very much, Graham. Ha- have a fantastic rest of your day, and uh, like I say, good luck with these albums and everything. And I'm hoping yeah, it's going to catch you guys you. playing. Say hello to all the listeners for me, and tell them to buy uh, Blood and Thunder as well. I will. I will. Don't worry. <laughs> I can be so bold. <laughs> okay, no, That's all later. good. Thank you, Graham. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.